and he never, never touched me again. That was it. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It was, it was just very interesting, but I'll never forget that last day that it happened. Something in me knew that I would never let him do that to me again. Wow. And I think he could tell that I had, I had reached my breaking point and that was it. Um, it doesn't always work out for everybody. I mean, people say no all the time, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't translate into, oh, okay, you said no, well, well, well we won't touch you then. Yeah. Um, but for yeah. some reason that clicked in both of us at the same time. And I knew that that was it. That was. Hey mamas, welcome to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Mother Hustler, Kareen Mills. I'm a mama of two boys, founder of a tribe called Mother Hustler Nation, co-founder of the Game Changers Global Network, an insurance professional turned lifestyle entrepreneur, keynote speaker, and author. Each and every week, I'm bringing you stories and thoughts from mom entrepreneurs who will inspire you to take massive imperfect action unapologetically chase your dreams and eradicate your excuses so you can quit treating your business like a hobby and turn your side hustle into full-time income. I know being mother hustler is not easy, but sisters, we are making it happen even in this beautiful mess. Thank you so much for being present with me today. Now let's go mother the world. Melody Thurman is a native Portland resident. Born and raised on a farm outside of Portland, Melody was a tough girl who could keep up with the boys and bucked her share fare of hay, chased cows, and assisted in all manner of farm chores. Melody's life changed between the ages of four and five, when she became the victim of sexual abuse that lasted for six years. Once free, Melody has fought to change the conversation. She knew from her own experience that there is no point in trying to understand or move past sexual abuse. It isn't something she ever wants to understand. The abuse that she lived through is something she will keep front and center as a constant reminder to never stop fighting for those who can't, speaking for the voiceless, and encouraging those who have been affected by sexual abuse to accept who they are in spite of it. Melody just finished her first book on changing the conversation around sexual abuse and has dedicated her life to continuing to change the conversation around the world. Melody believes that if we are ever going to see things change, the survivors have to stand up and speak out. Melody's book title was born from all her experiences, All the Things I Wish You Never Said. That's a title of her book, A Survivor's Guide to Talking About Sexual Abuse. Melody found that the more she talked about sexual abuse, the more she realized how large the gap is between survivors and those who have not experienced it personally. She realized how much the survivors need those on the other side and how with a little guidance, 
those very people can actually help to bring about healing and acceptance. Sisters, please help me in welcoming the mother hustler mothering the world this week, a sexual abuse survivor and an advocate of ending it, literally a fighter, soon to be author, and she is on her way to become a speaker. Let me tell you and let me welcome you, Melody Thurman. Welcome back, everyone, to the Being Mother Hustler podcast. I'm your host, Kareen Mills, and we are excited today because we have Melody Thurman, who's here to just grace us with all her might. Welcome, Melody. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. You're welcome, and I'm excited to have you on. So we love to hear people's childhood. So tell us about your childhood. Take us through your journey, what you learned, what you didn't learn through your childhood, and then we organically talk about little bits and pieces of that childhood so we can expand or maybe dive deep into each and every single one of your of those little pieces. Sure, sure. So for years and years, I thought my childhood was just a typical um, average American childhood. I didn't really think it was that much different than other people's. Um, and then I kind of entered into the real world and realized that it was um, horrific at best. It was rather a bit like hell. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, so I grew up in a family. There was eight, eight kids in all, and um, I was number seven on that ranking. I was almost a baby. Um, there was six girls and two boys, and we grew up on a farm outside of Portland. So we pretty much did everything. We raised all of our own food for the most part. Um, we grew all our own vegetables. We canned, we froze, we did all that stuff. And then um, we did all of our own meat products. So we grew chickens and cows and like my dad and brothers went hunting. Um, so we were fairly self-sufficient. Um, my mom homeschooled us all the way through from preschool to <laughs> graduating. Um, and that was interesting because she also had a lot of health issues at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and so she wasn't able to really participate as much as, you know, you would hope for a homeschooling mother. So um, the siblings kind of took up those tasks of homeschooling and we all kind of taught each other. Um, wow. And um, so, yeah, so it was very, a very interesting childhood for sure. And then on top of it, I was also sexually abused from between the ages of four and five. I'm not entirely sure of exactly when it was up until 10. Um, and so that was, you know, pretty traumatic in and of itself. Um, and then at 10, I, the abuse stopped and I um, actually learned how to read when I was 10. Um, I also got my first period when I was 10. So everything just sort of like happened right then and there. Um, at 10 for me, I think when the abuse stopped, um, just, you know, you, that the trauma, the, like when you're living through trauma, when that's, when the trauma actually stops, you can kind of start to live a little bit. Um, and so 
everything happened all at once. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. So, so that was my childhood. Yeah. It was a good one. Wow. So you talk about the abuse and, you know, you don't have to give us a lot of details if you don't want to, because, mm -hmm. you know, we have to go through a specific healing process through our life. And for me, like I'm able to talk and really cry it out in some of my solo episodes from my first 10 years. And then you heard the recent one, which is a second decade. And then this week, I'm going to release my third decade. And interestingly enough, I'm turning 40 this year. So my last decade will be the last part of it. And then I commence my next decade this year. Awesome. But, you know, I think our childhood has its way of shaping us to becoming who we are. Um, and once we heal, we are no longer afraid to talk about it. And so for me, I think I've healed, you know, I still have the emotions and I still cry about it, but it's crying for me is a lot healing. Mm -hmm. And when I tell the story of my first decade, I mean, there were specific parts of my life during that decade that I actually didn't even remember. I think it has a tendency to bury um, a lot of our awful memories and the details of our memories are buried in our subconscious cemetery is what I like to call. Yep. Some of them, I just started remembering them. And, you know, I think once we heal and that's i think when i know that i've i've healed from it is that i start remembering more details of it and then i have no problem talking about it even when the emotions come i just let it all out so if you don't mind can we go back to that moment and like really tell your tale about that moment if that's something that you've healed from and okay to talk about because i think that by you telling this story it gives other maybe kids that are going through or have gone through that permission to also heal. And I think we're all built and created to heal each other through our stories. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, yes. So the abuse started somewhere between four and five. Um, I don't know my exact age, but when I go back in my mind um, and I kind of remember those details, I was, so my mom was homeschooling my older sisters and um, I was being really um, noisy and obnoxious and interrupting them. And so she told me to go outside. Um, and so it was, it was somewhere in that age where I was too young to be in school yet. Um, so that's where I kind of say somewhere between four and five. Um, so I went outside and um, was just sort of playing around and I'm guessing it was sometime in the spring because um, my abuser was on driving a tractor tilling a field mm -hmm. and so I went out and decided I wanted to take a tractor ride. So I asked him if I could come and, and take a tractor ride on the tractor and he was like sure absolutely. So I climbed up on the tractor and um, we like rode around for a little bit and then he started touching me and mm -hmm. then sort of started to lay out the, the, what he called the rules of the game. He called it. Um, I obviously couldn't tell anyone. 
Um, if I did, uh, at first it started with, if I did, no one would believe me because he was grown. I wasn't, um, you know, they would never believe me a small child. Wow. Um, <clears throat> and, um, I just remember that first day as I climbed off the tractor, just feeling so dirty and just like, what just happened? Um, and then there's a good chunk that I don't remember. I don't remember what I did after that. I don't remember. I'll just have little like snippets of different pieces of memories, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and for where I'm at in my life, I feel like, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not going out and trying to resurrect these memories because they'll come to me when they're ready. Yes. They I'm not going to go hunt for them. They're, they're there. <laughs> um, so the abuse continued on for, um, for six years till I was 10. There's a lot of very, um, dramatic memories in between that time frame. Um, one specifically where I was, um, it, that we were super, super, super religious. So everyone went to church every Sunday and we did not miss that for anything. Like the only time you got to miss going to church was if you were like really, really sick or, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we must've been sick. I don't know. Me and my younger sister, we must've been sick. And, and so he was um, requested to babysit us while we, while the rest of the family went to church. Wow. So, um, so yeah, so we were there and in my, in my memory, I have this memory of um, me laying on the bed and he was on top of me and um, my younger sister who was two years younger than me. So she was, this, I'm not, I don't know the, honestly, I don't know the age of what this was, but yeah. she was, she was here. So, um, so she was on the floor playing with some toys and, um, and she just sort of like looked up at me and just locked eyes with me. And, um, and she just kept eye contact with me until it was over. And then, um, and then that was that. And so there, there were times when like those really traumatic memories resurfaced where, the abuse was happening in me. She was witnessing it. And, um, she, you know, she's younger. She has no concept of, of what this is. I have no concept of what this is. And, um, and then we just sort of push it down and okay, whatever just happened, just happened. And let's try to just get back to normal life. Right. Let's try to not let mom and dad know it happened. Let's try to not let our brothers and sisters know it happened. Let's just try to like move on from this really fast and, 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 so as you cope with abuse, um, as a child, I think that you really, really learn how to, um, just shut down and mm-hmm. you shut down your facial expressions. You shut down your emotions, you shut down your body language, you just shut down everything. And so for me, that's definitely what I did. I also, um, helped coping with two things. I would say, I don't know if I really call it anorexia, um, but I definitely stopped eating for the most part. So I was super thin. Um, I also started um, sniffing uh, PVC pipe glue. So it's the glue that you put inside the plastic pipes to get them to stick together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really, really strong and it's really potent. And so um, I would sniff this glue and then feel super high, I guess, for a while. And then, um, just sort of be able to just 
not think about anything or feel anything. Um, and so that went on for a while and I started getting bloody noses and, um, and that kind of stuff. And then, um, this is all through your like second decade of your life, maybe through this. No, this is all in that oh. six year time span. Wow. Yeah. So I was somewhere between, um, four and 10 when I was doing this. Um, and then when the abuse stopped, um, I just shut down, I guess. I just, I just started trying to, um, to like live. And, and like, I very, very distinctly remember the last day it ever happened. Um, we were in the back of our family van and, um, I don't know, we were either going to church or coming back from church, something. Um, and, um, and he tried to get me to touch him and I was mortified. Like we were in my family's car and I, they were, there were people right in front and he knew if someone turned around, they would see this. And I was just, this was like the, the most, um, brave or I don't know exactly what he was to actually try to do this with other people in the, in the car. Wow. And, um, and I just looked at him and I said, no, stop. And he never, never touched me again. That was it. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It was, it was just very interesting, but I'll never forget that last day that it happened. Something in me knew that I would never let him do that to me again. Wow. And I think he could tell that I had, I had reached my breaking point and that was it. Um, it doesn't always work out for everybody. I mean, people say no all the time, mm -hmm. but it doesn't, it doesn't translate into, oh, okay, you said no, well, well, well we won't touch you then. Yeah. Um, but for yeah. some reason that clicked in both of us at the same time. And I knew that that was it. That was, we were done. Well, yeah. Because you stood up and, you know, like voiced out something that may, this person may never heard before from you. And I think, and like you said, it doesn't always work out right. But I think we have to allow that voice to come out as I think a person that's being abused. And I, you know, I can't, I can't necessarily, I'm not qualified to talk about it. Um, but I think just basing it off of your story, having you voice out that or, or allow your voice to come out and communicate with that person deterred it from happening even more. So there is power mm -hmm. somehow by just listening to your story in really talking it out loud and letting that other person know that it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of yeah. you for even being able to tell this story bravely because, you know, that tells me and leads me to believe that you have somewhat healed from it. And I think that the more you come on, whether I know that you, you've spoken at um, Rukshana's events, um, and that's I'm probably- actually getting ready to speak at my first one. I'm oh, okay. Well, that's, yeah. kind of, you know, the more we do of that, the more we are going to not only heal, but give others permission to 
let them know that it's okay to talk about it. And the more that we talk about it, the more we really impact people. Um, And the more that we think that as, as difficult as it was, maybe it was a gift, you know, like I, I, I wouldn't go that far because that's definitely um, a traumatic experience. But sometimes you look at a trauma, like I had a lot of traumatic experience as a child and it's not exactly the same as yours. But when I look at that traumatic experience, I start looking through a different lens and I start taking it as, you know, maybe there was something to this so that I can go change the world or maybe there was something to this so that I can take that experience and go out and tell people about it, you know, from, from a place of more like victory than being a victim and saying, Hey, this is what I did. And it stopped after I did it. And maybe you should also do that. And it's not simple as that. I'm sure but telling your experience and sharing that to people is definitely going to make a difference. So I'm excited for you that you're yeah. going to be speaking. Yeah. I think one thing it does for me is this is I know it's not as simple as just saying no or stop or, or whatever you say. Um, but it gives hope to someone who is in the middle of that. Um, because at some point there will be an end to what you know what you're experiencing and um it's the after part that is so so important for us to accept and to um i think we are always told over and over like okay you got to move on from this you can't let this um occupy your life you you have to heal you have to move on you have to get better you have to get past this and the pressure of that is so much, especially if you speak your story. Um, Everybody wants to tell you how to do it, when to do it, you know, uh, just the the plethora of information. It's like when you get pregnant, everybody wants to tell you their stories, right? They always want to be like, oh, this is how awful it was. This is how wonderful it was. It's the same thing. Everyone wants to tell you how to to be a survivor. Um, Mm -hmm. But each person's journey is so very, very, very different and so very unique. And but to know that there are people on the other side who've made it mm-hmm. and who have been able to accept it and have been able to um, live good lives and to be able to um, live with joy. And um, that's huge, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as, as a survivor, um, hearing those stories when I was, when I was in the, the stage of a victim was huge for me to be able to know, okay, someday this will end someday I'll get to the other side and then, and then what, and then what, what's, what's going to happen. And so I've been able to kind of create that in my life of what, what is happening next. And you can't control when the abuse is happening, but you can sure control afterwards. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's where I'm at. Thank you for sharing that. So what happened after it happens, like in your teenage years, because those are also defining moments for us, right? Very, very much. And the things that happened afterwards were definitely um, shaping to me as, as, a, as a woman and as a human. And so um, afterwards, I pretty much kind of, so from 10 to 15, 
I didn't talk about it to anybody. As far as I knew, no one knew. Mm. Um, and I just very much just tried to be a typical teenager. Um, I babysat a lot. I got out of my house a lot. I um, was probably super awkward. <laughs> I don't know. I was just, I was, we all had to wear dresses. And so I was wearing my dresses and like, you know, it was very, um, it was, I guess it would, I would say for, for my social circle at the time, I was very typical. Um, and then at 15, my abuser confessed and he came forward to the pastor in the church and confessed. Wow. And I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated because I had just spent the last five years trying to erase what had happened and trying to pretend like it wasn't, mm. didn't, wasn't as bad as it was. And then he just like, he didn't prepare me. He didn't tell me he was going to be confessing. He just confessed. And so I was called down to our family living room by my dad. And he said, um, did he ever touch you inappropriately? And this was not a conversation. We didn't, we didn't ever have the sex talk in our family. We didn't ever, we didn't, sex is a bad word. Like if you, like that was a bad word in our family. Um, So to have my dad come and ask me this, I was just, uh, I mean, I just, I'm sure I just turned red from head to toe. I didn't even know what to say. I was just mortified. And, And I said, yes, he did. And he said, well, why didn't you ever say anything? And I said, I didn't think I could. And that was it. That was, that was it. That was the end. He excused me and I walked out with my tail between my legs. And I was just like, like crap. Like what happens now? Like what is everybody going to think about me? Like now I have this big mark on my forehead. Like I'm, I didn't, I didn't want to see anybody. I just didn't know what to do. Um, and so we talked about it a little bit, like my sisters and my mom, um, a little bit, um, but it wasn't much. And the pastor in the church did absolutely nothing. He didn't report it. Um, he didn't check on me. He didn't send anybody to check on me. Didn't ask if it was still going on. They just told my parents and that was it. Wow. Um, and so that was, the the next couple of years were pretty traumatic for me. I didn't know, you know, what was going to happen next. I kept sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, like feeling like I was somehow going to be punished for this. Um, and then I started going to classes at PCC and um, I started taking psychology classes and I started realizing just how messed up I was and just how much trauma I had lived through and, and actually being able to name it was really important to me is it was trauma and I had been a victim of sexual abuse those were all just like incredibly um, liberating things to me so at 18 17 or 18 somewhere in that in that time range I went to my mom and I said hey I really think I need to get some counseling Um, I'm feeling pretty depressed wow (laughs) Um, everything had to be approved by my dad. So she went to my dad and asked if I could get counseling. And so, um, one day I was leaving and I had, we lived up a big driveway. So I had driven up to the top of the driveway and he was standing at the top and, and he stopped me and he said, so mom says you want to get counseling. Can you tell me more about that? And I, 
So he stopped me and said, um, you know, can you tell me more about why you want to see a, a therapist? And, and I said, well, I'm, I'm pretty depressed. And he said, well, why? And I said, um, because of, you know, my, what happened the, you know, in my childhood. And he said, well, you know where depression stems from? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, depression stems from guilt. And I just knew what he was going to say next. And I didn't want to hear it, but he said, um, he said, you're, you're guilty. You're, you're guilty for what happened because you didn't wow. say anything. And he said, there's a verse in the Bible somewhere in Deuteronomy that says that, um, if a man is, um, abusing a woman, she is to call out. Um, and if she doesn't, then she is a participant in the abuse. And so he said, I was, I was to, to blame. He said, I was as much to blame as my abuser for what happened. Wow. Okay. Stop right there. Like, Everybody wants to stop right there. Cause that's just like a bomb. Hold like, the front door. Okay. I am, I don't even know how to call my reaction to that because like, does he realize, and I'm not bashing your dad by any means, but I'm just like, I have all these questions in my head that the Bible said a woman and a woman is not like a, a four-year-old, five-year-old girl. So I'm not sure if I'm angry or confused or I, I, I mean, I am floored that he would even say that. And obviously I don't know who your dad is and I don't, I've never met him and I don't I want to judge him because I am a spiritual person and, and I refuse to judge people. But based on our conversation right now, you're a little girl, like you're supposed to be protected. Yeah. You're supposed to trust people because that's what they do for us when we're a little girl. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I'm just, I just want to stop you right there because I just want you to know that I don't agree with them. Yeah. And I, I don't either, but at the time when he said that, it just, it devastated me. Like I, the conversation pretty much ended. Um, and I drove out and onto the road and I just started just sobbing. I just didn't know because I think as a, as a survivor, you, you ask yourself that question a lot. Like, did I do something? Did I somehow like make him attracted to me? Like you ask yourself these questions and then if somebody else and especially your dad confirms that he has the answer to that question mm -hmm. i mean i just i lost it like i did not even know how to comprehend what had just happened and i just i was devastated i just i just sobbed and sobbed and I pulled over the side of the road and i was just sobbing and um and close to that same time i was introduced to um another man who um had been working with kids for i don't know 
20 years. So he had been um, around developing children forever and he had, he was amazing. He was so, I was able to kind of get to that point where I could just accept it. Yes. It is part of who I am, but it is one part of me. And there's a whole other part of me that is bigger and stronger and, and is um, a beautiful person. And I love that part. Yeah. And it, it built your strength really. And you know, the more, like you said, the more you tell the story, the more you get restored and a piece of you gets restored. And, and that's really your strength. The more strength you gain by letting it go and letting it go is funny because a lot of people think letting it go is releasing it, but letting it go is like accepting that that was who you are you went through that and that was part of the recipe like life really um judge when i don't use i don't use the term the judge as judgment but when i'm talking to someone i take them at face value that yes um i have met many people who have an incredibly impressive pedigree that are gigantic asshats and then i've met <laughs> people that have just are just like super down to earth um maybe they didn't go to college maybe they didn't have the ability to do that um, or they're just, you know, there's some more simplistic or life no resources. And, right. And uh, there is no judgment on my part. I'm like, I judge you for who you are. Uh, that doesn't impress me. And, and anyone that gets impressed by a bunch of fancy degrees, you're missing the point. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. I love, by the way, how you look to the side before you say profanity words. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that's what I do. 